Welcome to the Board Game Workshop. I'm your host, Chris Anderson. There's only two weeks left to submit your pitch videos and game descriptions to the Board Game Workshop Design Contest. If you head over to theboardgameworkshop.com, you can click on the link right at the top of the page to get all of the details. There's cash prizes for the finalists and feedback for everyone who enters. So go check that out and get your pitch videos in. This episode is a little different than past ones. We actually recorded a feedback session after playtesting a friend's game. This is actually more what I originally envisioned the board game workshop to be, where we would test games and then discuss them afterwards, and it was originally going to be on video. It's an interesting look at that specific part of design. Uh, it's a little noisy in the background because we were in a game shop, but I think the audio is still clear enough. If you enjoy this type of episode, let me know, and I'll try and do more in the future. Oh, on the show. Welcome to the Board Game Workshop. I'm your host, Chris Anderson, and I'm here with... Phil Amalon. Adam Eastwood. Benjamin Belanger. And we just got finished playtesting a game whose name I do not remember and cannot pronounce. Eh, we'll just call it Hidden Master for now. Hidden Master by Phil. And this is interesting because it was inspired by my game Plutocracy, which maybe you have heard of if you're a listener of the show or follower of my blog. Um, And it's unique because it's a game where you don't actually control a faction like Plutocracy and like... Like, um, what's that game? Is there another game like this? It's pre-World War One Europe. Diplomacy? No, Imperial? No. Yeah. Never heard of it. It's the thing that inspired Plutarchus. Wow. Anyway, <laughs> you can look it up. But it's um, in that one you don't control anything. But it's pre World War One Europe, so you're you're buying stock in different countries. But um, just want to talk about how incredibly difficult it is to design a game where players don't have their own faction because sometimes you just don't care about stuff. Yes. So, as a new person to this design space, Phil, what uh, what do you think so far? Yeah. This is your first play of this, right? The first. Yeah, yeah. First play with real life other people and not just uh, you know my stuffed animals or whatever. But uh, yeah, so I think what's so jarring at first about a game like this? Yeah. Uh, what's jarring about a game like this is not having that sort of home base feeling of I have my own faction and so the, I think there's possibilities for the board to get overwhelming. Like you're looking at, ah, oh, there's so much stuff. You know, you're not just defending your own little personal space. Uh, you're also sort of trying to decide how to pit the factions you don't really care about against each other, uh, how to hide what your allegiances are. This is, I, I feel like uh, a little prone to analysis paralysis a game like this can be. So that seems hard to me. I think your card system push that a lot. Especially for a first play. There's a lot of reading. So Yeah, that is tough. Although I think later rounds we went a little quicker. And part of that's just the, the layout of the cards. Like different coding and uh, graphic design just makes it quicker to read it. It's like, I know this is an attack by a single icon instead of reading a paragraph. Yeah, so stuff like yeah. that just gets better with graphic design. Right. Since we're still in the feedback phase of your game too, I really like the card system. The way you have one card which obviously at home you can't see any of this so just good luck. So there's five different factions, different colors on the board, and you can control whichever ones you want, but you have to pay a 
card from your hand each turn to influence a faction. And once you do, you can't influence that faction again for the rest of the round. Except for some special abilities, but for the most part, which that was a problem I ran into in a lot of versions of Plutocracy of people just want to like spam red and like I'm just gonna do red all day long. Right. I'm gonna mine red eleven times and it broke the game a lot. So I think this is a really elegant way of dealing with that where you, you're forced to go with different factions. And I think for the most part it worked out well. You have, you have some cards that are a little a little too powerful. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, or complex, needlessly confusing, etc. Uh, so the card system, if you have not played GMT's line of card-driven games, so Twilight Struggle or Here I Stand, like just a ton of those. I sort of adopted that, uh, but I changed it. Because uh, in their system, you can do two things with your cards. You can either spend spend the card for action points in your turn to like advance your civilization, or or play the card for an event. So I, I kind of played with that and added in this little player board. So now you can do three things with the cards. Here. So you can play them for the points for your faction or any faction. You can play for the event, or you can spend the card, bury it for a whole thing, like bury it for the whole game. Kind of like Seven Wonders. Yep. If you want a card, if you, if you want to deny someone signs, you can get rid of it, uh, and you can use that to sort of improve your own position. Which I really like the idea of that. But I think with your current system of shuffling the deck all the time, it's not as important. Yeah, maybe you just don't have to shuffle the deck so much. Well, I think because yeah. like right now the the system, the chance of it coming back if it was used normally is so slim. Yeah. But if there's a smaller deck and there's a real fear that that destroy one of every yellow is gonna pop back up on me, right. I definitely want to throw it away. Even if that's not a good move for me, I'm right. happy to get rid of it. Like in Seven Wonders. Yeah. Like with the science, it's it's good to do nothing to stop someone else sometimes. Mm-hmm. So Ben, since you didn't actually get to play and just came halfway. What would you think of the game? <laughs> uh, well, it's it's kind of funny that this one was inspired by uh, Plutocracy because I was kind of toying around with my own version of like a Plutocracy inspired game and it's trying to it's trying to tackle that idea of um, how do you get players invested in you know in factions that they aren't personally connected to. And in my case, I wanted the idea of sort of a living, breathing galaxy. And the galaxy would continue on its own path, and everybody would vote to influence it. And you tally the votes and have those cancel in some cases, or everyone could really want something to happen. And it became a lot about politicking. But one of the criticisms that I encountered was, okay, everyone's voting, and then you set the galaxy in motion based on the value of the sliders that moved up or down and it was like okay well you know we all talk together and we all vote and then we watch the game happen yeah and it was like well that's a good point well it sounds kind of like a program movement game yeah yeah and I mean I haven't played it but it, I don't see any problem with that off the bat well I think it was the presentation of it encourages some it looks like a board game and people want to interact with it and not so much each other. But the board is just tracking <laughs> yeah, political exactly. machinations. So uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting hard. to see another version of you know someone else's uh, version of, of what inspired them from plutocracy. Um, and I, I think what I saw from this was um, pretty interesting. The the card system, um, I I can see where that's going to be um, very good. 
uh, once you balance out some of the cards and you figure out, you know, that's 99 plays through playthroughs from now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I think what I saw had potential. Um, and it's deciding, you know, do you want factions to be eliminated? If everyone works toward eliminating a faction, for example, is that a choice you want players to be able to make? Or do you have factions kind of hang around so that their their related cards aren't sort of dead? Although, you could use those to spend points on. Well, that was the interesting thing in our game. So. The very the very last round, you both picked like move green leader cards after green had been destroyed. And that was intentional, because you didn't want something to happen, right? Correct. Well, well, for me, it was because I wanted to use all the other stuff that I had in the ways that I did. Right. So you're, you're forced to use a machination card, yeah. but you had a dead card, mm-hmm. so it's kind of an easier decision. So I think there's I think there's ways where it can work to your advantage tactically. Like you could destroy four reasons. And thematically it makes a little more sense. I think I like in the open system of like a galaxy at war or whatever. I don't actually know what the setting is for this. It was just hexagons. I don't have but, a name uh, yet. <laughs> but um, I like the idea that a faction could be wiped out. And in this kind of game, you're not losing a player so in Eclipse if you wipe out a faction you wiped out a player it can happen it's kind of tough it happened one game the person was very upset because that's like you know four hours in and you're out of the game but um, in this everyone's still playing even if you wiped out all the factions, which I guess couldn't happen, you're still all there. And then it's just who got the most points in the faction that's left. So I don't think it necessarily breaks the game and thematically it works. So I think it's maybe a good thing to add into this game because it's the one type of game that can actually do it. Yeah, I, I also like the idea that a faction can be wiped out. I think it should be harder than what we just experienced. But I, I like I like I think, the player being rewarded for being able to accomplish that. Yeah, one of the things I did in... Pretty much every version I had that could wipe out a faction for plutocracy, I wanted a way for them to come back. It was usually very hard, yeah. and someone would have to say, like, I'm going to spend my time doing this, which was never worth it, mm-hmm. so maybe it wasn't a good fix. But it was always possible, which in this, I think the way it is now, it's impossible because they don't have any power centers to regenerate from, right? Yeah. Currently, there's no way to come back. One of the things that I would say about choice. about kind of deleting, deleting a, a group, uh, you know. Deleting, yeah. <laughs> we deleted. A faction it is, might be a cyberpunk game. I haven't decided. You don't know. Um, is I think it's, it's funny that, you know, it's meant to be a five-player game. That's kind of how you set it up to be. We talked about it for like an hour. We, we were expecting... Yeah, I think ideally, ideally... Ideally, that's... we played a three-player game and two of the five factions died. I wonder if that's hmm. because of, you know, the, each of us... You know, I was we're trying focused to, on one. We care about that. We don't care red. about the other ones. Right. You were focusing on black. Yeah. For the most part. And then you were purple. I was purple then, and yellow early. But then yellow. I chose purple first. You almost wiped them yes. out. So I switched to yellow because there was no difference yeah. to me at that point. Mm-hmm. So I think that might be a, a product of it being a three-player game, why two got knocked out that way. That doesn't make sense. You know, it's, we were both focusing to keep one group alive. And those two kind of, after purple got decimated a little bit, you're like, screw it. I'm not even going to try anything. Yeah, so I, I think, totally gave up on purple. Once right. That, so I, I think that's probably why we saw two get you know, blown out in that way. But also, I think two things. One, if you... If if you put your resources towards destroying them, like you said, we, we there might be a good way of like saying, hey, you get something for creating the downfall or the deletion of this faction. Because yeah. then, because I felt when the points came at the end, even though I was actively doing stuff, I had a lot less points. I had like what seven less points than the next person, even though I felt like I was in a strong position because I was doing stuff. Yeah, I was, stuff. I was surprised by that at 
the end. Yeah, because my green got destroyed, and green would have been my second, like, hey, you're getting a, a bunch of points, and they, the, there's a prestige tra- uh, track that gets you points at the end. That would have been another seven points. So, uh, like the prestige track, that was actually the most points for me, I think. Yeah. Because I had... From any one source, yeah. I managed sure. to swing it so that I had a lot of influence from the three top ones. Yeah. Which so yeah, I had influence on... was slightly due to me doing it at the end there, mm-hmm. but that, um, like that black tie, if you had chosen a different tiebreaker, I wouldn't have won that game. <laughs> so... Oh, because of the black cool. and the green tie? That's yeah. true. Because so if, if green if had black won, had done nothing, you would have had a lot of points. I would, I would have won yeah. if green would have been the tie, if would have won that tiebreaker. Yeah. So there's that. And then, so that's a very tight system, which I think is good. Especially, like, that's the kind of thing... I mean, the way it's influenced with the power centers might be too restrictive. Because they got up... They were only on the second row, and you had it up to, like, 35. So you're obviously expecting that to do more than it did. I wanted more room, just yeah. in case. Because I guess that, I, I That figured, was very tight. Especially with yeah. two getting wiped out, they just stopped moving. Right. So... I, I think the, and we talked, you're changing it for the next one, is when you're building either power center or fortress, it's a hard choice because you're like, do I need, do we need more recruiting at the time or do I need this power center? So for green, I was, I was like, I, I, I put like a, a, a recruiting a fortress out and I'm like, man, if I would have done power center, that might still be alive. I might have won the game, but it's like, it was tough right there. So one thing I wanted to mention, it kind of brings us around where the three of you who played, you each kind of chose a faction and stuck with it, and that comes back to the players wanting to, I think, strongly associate with Oh, right, you don't know the setup. So the setup is there's um, there's 12 of each of the faction's influence, and everyone draws it. So there's... So we each got... 20. We each had 20 influence. We each had 20 influence. So at the beginning of the game, you're set what, um, what faction you're heavy in, and unlike Plutocracy, where Plutocracy, that changes a lot. Like, that's kind of the whole system is like that rotating. In this, it's very hard to shift that. You know, it's like you have to do an exchange action, which is a slow thing. So you're much... You're much more committed at the beginning, so it's not it's not as open and like I'm just going to do whatever I want. It's this is what I'm big in. This is most likely what I'm doing. So it is a lot more focused, which I think helps the motivation issue a lot because you can still change. Like there's options to shift, which maybe that should be a little easier or not. I'm not sure. It depends on depends on your starting thing. Because I had six yellow and six purple, so I was in those, but and I had one red. So it's like I'm just not doing red. There's no way I could shift to red in that situation but if your starting is more even you have that option so I don't know we started way because I started with like seven red and like five or six um, green so I had a pretty even distribution I think the most I had was five black yeah so but that makes sense right because you had a lot of yellow purple you had a lot of black I had a lot of green red and we we had to make the decision that's the thing with the yellow purple because I had six of each and there's 12 total I knew that at worst I was tied with one of you because that thing I had seven red I had the most period (laughs) you could have had five and I still would have been up and then I started pulling red out just to get more points because I'm like I'm focusing on them Mm, that was was interesting I think that's one of the challenges of this sort of game where you have the multiple factions and you almost want to encourage players to be able to jump around to the different factions manipulate you know change their focus do you do that more easily or do you just set them on that one path 
path at the beginning, like, do you hard set them on that path? Um, I think that provides an interesting design challenge. Um, because if you're looking for something like plutocracy, always struck me as something that wanted to be a lot more fluid. You were exchanging more tokens. Stock market game. That's how I always felt about plutocracy, and, yeah. You know, that's so there the incentive is, you know, economic to, you know, buy low, sell high. So I think this worked even so even though, like I said, you start off much more locked into a faction, which is kind of more traditional game, but you have the ability to shift. But the the action system you have by choosing the colors, it doesn't matter if I'm all in purple and I want to do purple all the time. I can't. I can do a purple action and then I can maybe help purple by doing a bad thing to red or make black do a weak attack against purple so purple's actually winning. But you're still forced to do it in other ways, which has that feel of I'm manipulating all the factions, which is what you want. Mm. So other challenges for this kind of game specifically? The big thing is the motivation, which I can't say if your game works for that or not because I've been playing plutocracy a lot and I understand <laughs> that you have to make your own motivation to a degree, but like when I've played with other players, they just don't care. Like so many times, it's like, why am I doing this? I'm like, well, to get the points to win. And that's not enough for people nowadays. Like maybe in older games, mm-hmm. the goal is to win. You do what you can to win was enough. Now people want like deep emotional motivations to like have one faction attack and like just get the points. Just get the points. Come on, it's a game. You can, you can sort of work with that once you get a core engine set up. Then I think you can start introducing layers where maybe each you know power broker behind the scenes has their own special power or you know they're layers of flavor that so you're disassociating from just collecting points but you know something that they can connect with a little more easily that was partially what I was trying to accomplish by having sort of the special abilities you can unlock on like your hidden master board like underneath so I think those need to be retooled obviously we didn't use most of them I think we just kind of exchanged a lot Um, I really like how stock worked out I think yeah stock ended up working out well because if you know you figure if I would have stocked and technically it doesn't I guess they have to win it never mind yeah I guess they have to win it to take it that is how it is right now but yeah, I do, I do feel that like motivation, not necessarily motivation to do an action, but motivation to, to not just feel like I'm pushing bits around a table. Like that seems hard to do with a game like this. It is. That might be if you part figure of it. Out, let me know. I will that, try. That might be part of what we're looking at with a, with a prototype too. And I think as a designer, if you can visualize a particular setting, like that's not a bead. That is going to be like a little building, something a little more visually stimulating, right? Yeah. Like, so you just have to, I think, pick, um, like pick a, 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 a flavor, or something. You could totally change it later, but this is a medieval game. This is a sci-fi game. Mine started medieval. This is whaling. You to collect wheat to feed your people. That's fantastic. <laughs> I, think I think we agreed on uh, cyberpunk, so we're deleting yeah, factions. Yeah, we're deleting like factions. <laughs> I mean, I love cyberpunk, so that'd be great. It could be like a computer grid kind of Tron thing. But once you have a basic setting, we're all in the machine. (laughs) Once you have a basic setting, I think it's easier to establish motivation other than just all right, play through this game engine. Like your farmers, your space raiders. I think it helps. Like so, one of the the mechanical issue is because you don't have your own faction, you don't care about any faction. But adding on a theme, even though the theme wouldn't solve that problem, you could get an emotional attachment to someone. Like oh, I like this guy's hat. He's my guy. Mm. 
mm-hmm. and that has nothing to do with the mechanics, but it's that thing that you grab on. Whereas that's a red triangle. Okay, I mean maybe I like red more than purple. That could be I don't. Space so like a theme does add that hook, like you're saying. I think that helps. Even even if it mechanically adds nothing, theme it just gets people into it. Not everyone's interested necessarily in the mechanics of a game. Not as much as we are. That's the thing. I'm very I'm very mechanic centered. If you took themes out of most games, I would still enjoy them a lot. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say the same thing. Like for me, I, I break it down. Like I was yeah. like when I play like uh, Waterdeep. Yeah. yeah. Like I break it down to like what gets me the most points. Like let's, let's finance this thing out. <laughs> uh, but Waterdeep is also still a really accessible game because people can understand what they're looking at. There's a city. Mm. We're going even, on quests. Even the different <laughs> cubes. <laughs> even the different cubes have colors that make sense for white being a cleric, orange being a fighter, black as a rogue, purple as a mage. Like those all are relatively intuitive leaps to make. Yeah. And it all helps with the with the immersion. Um, and that gets more casual players involved. So it's not necessarily a priority for where you're at with your game. But it's definitely something to consider as you're as you're going along. Just to, for sure for this genre of games, I think that is very important. I, I'm actually I, I used to be a heavy theme guy. Like if the game didn't have theme, I didn't care about it. Like I I still don't play Agricola because I sat down to play it and, and they were like, "Here's this farming game." I'm like, I don't want to do that. That's boring. You know, I'm sure it's one of the, I, supposedly one of the greatest games of all time. I still haven't really actually given it a chance because it's like freaking farming and I don't want to do that. Uh, but you play Catan and trade cheap for wood. No, I'm just Catan is weird. Man. You don't play Catan with people. I've never have. I played play the, play the online app thing twice. I think I played. So I played. It seems like a really bad game. I played it way too many times. times. I played this game like two hundred times, and I still don't know if I like it. So here, that's how I feel about Catan. Right, I'm going to describe the game to you. At the start of your turn, you roll two d6. Based on that random number, some people may or may not get money. You move around a little. Trading's really important, and if someone won't trade. You get really pissed and you want to flip the game. What game am I describing? Monopoly or Catan? Ooh. <laughs> That's a really good point. Yeah. yeah. yeah but for I've never played with people, though. It's I funny. hear it's good. Well, I, I, play, I, play, I play Catan, and we play with the same group of people, and it just gets more fun every time for us because we bring in previous games into the situation. Legacy like, Catan? Like, remember that time you didn't you didn't trade the sheep for me and I really needed it? Well, you're not getting this wood now, buddy. That's like when you're playing Avalon or Resistance and you get accused of being bad because you were bad 12 days ago and I'm like I can't control the card in front of me I can't tell you if I'm bad no I did not <laughs> but uh, it's a it's a whole other it's a whole other topic of conversation but man the legacy games like tonight uh, the Scythe expansion dropped which makes it a campaign and it's like I I've had that for so long I forget that it just dropped today. I'm um Sub-rack. you know I, I saw it on the shelf and I'm not gonna like, play it ever. I'm like, I, I'm going I to play, play legacy games so bad, I just can't get a group of people to play it regularly. You know, yeah, but that's, yeah. that's a thing, that's another level of immersion. Uh, if, yeah, you, if you're playing consistently with the same group of people, they want that experience to mean something over time. And if you have just a board game that's not a legacy game, just for that one game, it means something. Yeah. It tells a story, or, you know, just makes them feel a certain way. Uh, heroic or sneaky mm. it's those hero moments yeah. I forget the guy who d- designed the, the captain is dead he talks about every game has 
that a hero MJT? moment? Is that his name? From uh, he runs a game crafter. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I haven't played it. But just hearing him talk about it and talk like the way he designs, like I want to try it. It sounds awesome. <laughs> but, um, so like my hero moment of destroying purple. <laughs> Does that what? make you your hero? Villainous, a villainous moment. That's what we need for that. Well, no, he was but a hero what, for green. What you didn't, what you didn't know was was purple. They they, they were treated their people really bad. <laughs> so. Everything you survived at the end. No, he didn't. He was gone. We chased him into the corner and rid the world of him. <laughs> so back to back to your game. What um what weight are you looking for with this? Because I know with Plutocracy, my original idea was like a massive 4x empire game, and now it's trimmed down to like a quick euro. And that's I mean that's two years of lots of iteration. So right now, from what we played, it looks like you're looking at a heavier war game, like you're saying, more inspired by um, blanking on it now. Twilight Struggle. Twilight Struggle isn't a very long game. Though. Uh, yes. yes I, mean, I would argue it is. Really? Yeah. I played that game very quickly. It's short for a war game, but it's yeah. long for like two hours. a family game. Yeah, oh, two, yeah, this is oh, definitely not a family game. So two hours is longer than the longest game I would ever design. Really? Yeah. Uh, see, I mean, so, photography was four hours at one point. That was a mistake. So my wheelhouse, my favorite game, my favorite game of all time is Dominant Species. Have you played that game? No? All right, go play that game and then talk to me. But, I hear it's long. <laughs> Can I just play Evolution? It's, you won't get the same experience. Evolution is a great I mean, game, but it's not the same experience. I, I don't think there's anything. I don't think there's anything wrong with designing a game with length in mind. If you want to design a game that's like four to eight hours long, see, I don't want to you go can that do that. But two hours? If I feel feels okay. Two hours is the long end yeah. of a board game. I, see, I even feel like uh, 90 minutes. If you push past 90 minutes, you start losing some of your potential players. Because yeah. it's just yeah. too long. I mean, yeah. so even if it's a two-hour game, you say 90 minutes on the box. It's <laughs> slander. Well, because once they realize they love it, then... 30 minutes per player. That doesn't matter. 30 minutes per player. Ooh, there you go. Uh, per player's really small. See, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I love long games. The longer, the better. I, I could play a game for eight hours in a day as long as you have the right people. Depends on the game. But it has to be, like, the right game, the right people. And you have to set aside... That's the other thing. You have to set aside So, like, if you want to play... Um, Twilight Imperium. Yeah, that's the game. You you go to someone's house. They Spend have set up Twilight Imperium. Like you, this is a once a year thing. Whereas yeah, yeah. most games sold today are not that. Yeah. But like I go over my friend's house and play Eclipse. Every once in a while, we we'll get like a seven-player game of Eclipse going. Fantastic. It's like six to seven hours. Yeah. Like we order food. It takes time. Like yeah. it's it's a day. We don't play another game. We don't do anything else. It's just Eclipse the whole time. But other times you want to go. You want to play, you know, six thirty-minute games, yeah. Yeah. or six one-hour games. Yeah, so there, there is a niche place for a board game to become an event for like an entire day. Yeah, that does exist. Now the goal is not to go that long at this game. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, two hours. <laughs> two hours is kind of a weird space because it's not that short. Let's play multiple games, but it's not that have a whole day. It's, it's like one of those games where it's okay, okay, guys, we're gonna have a game day. We're gonna play. A bunch of short games early because we want people to show up, and then once everybody's here, we play it. We have two hours. We order food, it's and then we play more event. games. At the, at the, yeah. <laughs> it's like a. It's, it's, a, it's kind of like sight if you're not playing with people yeah. that are really pushing it. You put it in the middle so of like go two hours if you're. My first game on sight I ever played was a seven-player game with five first-time players. Wow. It took Ooh, that's gonna take a long time. Yeah. Yep. And they explained the rules wrong, so it ruined my oh, whole plan. Oh. 
But it was fun. I love Scythe. I wonder if I just have game days differently than, than other people. So we'll, we'll set aside a day. We'll play Terraforming Mars into Through the Ages, into Scythe, into something like to finish the day, the day off. Like something like that. That's how we'll run. No, oh, man, it's so good. I think as you run through, as you run through more playtests and you get out to different groups that are playtesting, you're going to encounter a wider swath of gamer. For sure. You're going to meet a lot of people with a lot of different preferences, but you'll start to see, I'm, I'm sure, some patterns in there. So it really depends, I think, on your aspirations. Do you want to make a game and publish it and say, I published a game? Do you want to make a game and make a little money on it? Or do you want to try and like shoot for the moon and you're the guy who designed Pandemic? Uh, the Cars Against Humanity, where it's just cards. I can make that up. <laughs> I have made that up. Every time I open a word page, white card. <laughs> but yeah, so the um, so the length you're going for really informs how the game's going to play. And I think if you want the shifting alliances, well, not alliances, but the shifting. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. Sure. Shifting something. Allegiance? Allegiance. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so the shifting allegiances, I think you need more time. Like that can't happen in a 30 minute game unless. True. Yeah. Sure. Oh, it can. If um, if you guys played Senatus from Brian, mm -mm. so Senatus, it's an 18 card game, or maybe it's like oh, one of those. Now. But it's um, basically you're in the Senate and you're trying to pass either red or blue laws, and it's you have three cards in front of you that are secret. So either you're on the red side or the blue side, and that shifts during the game. So it has that shifting alliance thing, but it's it's super light. It's just like sliding cards around and flipping them, and that works. But the kind of depth and thematic you're going for, you can't do. 30 minutes like no. you want I'd say at least an hour 90 minutes probably at least the two hours minutes. that you're going for it seems reasonable with the um, with the card system because your card system it does add time because you have to read cards you have to plan there's a lot of strategy involved which I like and I think it's a strong point of the game so you, you definitely need to go for the time so you have to build up the theme you have to build up the reason for people to give two hours to the game I mean I think you could take something like you're describing with Senatus instead of having two different colors cards, you have five different color cards. Each player gets three of those and they represent some bonus toward that faction. You reveal that at the end of the round. <clears throat> something like that that encourages people to maybe do something different every turn. You can take some of those super light mechanics and introduce it into a deeper game like you're trying to make. Alright, so this, this is a short episode but we're rambling and we've got more games to play. So Let's close it up. Uh, anyone want to give any contact info or promote anything you're working on? Phil, let's start with you. I don't have anything right now. Are you on Twitter? I actually deactivated all my social media about 45 days ago, and it was the most liberating feeling in my entire life. So, just shout into the wind for Phil. Yeah, I exist. You'll hear me. Actually, yeah, smoke signals work the best I've found. That's true, yeah. Adam, anything? Uh, I'd say best way to check me out uh, is at Geek of Random on Twitter. Uh, easiest thing I can think of. Ben? Um, I would probably suggest coming down to the board game design night at
at Battleground Games and Hobbies in Norton. About uh, once a month. Mansfield? Norton. No, we're Norton. We're just over the line. Mansfield Road. I'm sorry I corrected you. You can stop me later. It's all good. So that's what I do. I'm here every Thursday. And I'll just add another plug, although I probably mentioned this at the beginning. Enter the Board Game Workshop Design Contest. It's open till September 19th for entries. So check that out. Hi. Thank you all for coming on the show. Thank you for having us. I'd like to thank all of our Patreon supporters for helping support the show, especially our inventor-level supporters, Chris Turner, Alan D. Eckert, and 3D6 Space. That's all for this episode. You can get the show notes for all episodes at theboardgameworkshop.com. Follow the show on Twitter at the BG Workshop. Join the show's Facebook group to discuss the episodes and support the show on Patreon at patreon.com slash theboardgameworkshop. Thanks for listening. Thank you.